Ed Albert is what they call a cupper. I had no idea what that meant. Ed Faubert is one of the nation's leading uh, people on if coffee is good or not. His sense of taste for coffee is so good that even when blindfolded, he can take one sip of it and tell you those beans are from Guatemala, what state it comes from in Guatemala, and what altitude it was grown, and maybe even on what mountain. That's what they say. Uh, in fact, there's a test. They have this for wine, too, right, to be able to um, just be like a, uh, someone who actually can grade the wine. They have it for coffee. I believe there's only 48 of them in our country. They have tests every year. People try to come out and, and taste different types of coffee, and most of them, if not all of them, fail. Uh, they cannot get their senses exercised to the point where they can be that good. In fact, this guy, Ed, there's been stories where uh, he's, he's gone into a room of like 50 different cups of coffee. And he says one of those is fermented. And sure enough, his sense of smell is so amazing before he even tastes it. He can tell one out of the 50 cups. That, so it's just crazy stuff, right? The reason I say that is he is an ultimate discerner of what true coffee should be. I don't even like coffee, so. But he is a discerner of what coffee should be, where it comes from, all those things. And the word discernment, I think, has just been running through my mind lately. Um, because it seems like we're not doing too good as Christians lately <laughs> at discerning things. Uh, making wise judgments on what is good and what is evil. Let's look to the Lord for help. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you so much that you are a God um, who cares, uh, that you love us. Help us to be wise. Lord, help us uh, during these times. Um, there's so much information thrown at us uh, through so many different resources that sometimes it's hard to discern what's good and evil. And so we pray uh, that you would just give us discernment um, individually and corporately as a body here at Brantford Bible Chapel that we might know your will and we might know uh, how to live the lives that you have called us to live. So uh, I pray that you would control me by your spirit, that I might communicate effectively all the things you'd have to teach us today. May you be honored and glorified above all. May we leave this place uh, thinking more highly of you and who you are. In your name, amen. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14, it says this. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14, it says, But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. I appreciated um, Danny's message last week and how he started. I really thought it was good the way he kind of broke down exactly where he's going, so I'll try to do the same thing. We're going to talk a little bit about what discernment is, okay? And then there's three times where Jesus Christ used discernment, and then there's a lot more, obviously, but I'm going to look at three different times where Jesus Christ used discernment um, in the Gospels, and maybe even talk a little bit about social media when it comes to how to practically apply these things. So be on the lookout. All right, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice, 
to distinguish good from evil. Listen, it just begs the question right away. If you don't care about being a mature Christian, then the rest of this message really doesn't matter. It really doesn't. This is what we call raising the bar as believers. The mature believer, as he grows in the Lord, as she grows in the Lord, is able to discern more and more the right choices using God's wisdom and what is good and what is evil. Let's give you a definition of what discernment is. The sound judgment which makes possible the distinguishing of good from evil and the recognition of God's right ways for his people. It is necessary for the understanding of spiritual realities and on a practical level for right government and the avoidance of life's pitfalls. Okay? So it's just basically applying the wisdom God has given you so you can figure out what's right and evil. Some of us know this word evil can also be translated worthless. But there's also just a simple what's good and what's evil. What's sin? How do we know if something is sin or not? And then it goes deeper. How do we know what's good and those things that are worthless. Remember we heard about it in Hebrews where it says, Therefore, um, let's not be entangled with the sin or the weight that so easily entangles us. Let's put those things off. So in our lives, there's constantly decisions we make on a daily basis to form a Christian lifestyle. Are they good choices or are they evil? Are they worthless and they're dragging us down even though they might not be sin? And the whole point is the only way you can figure those things out is through maturity and practice. And practice. That's what it says. Who Those who through their powers of discernment trained by constant practice. This is not something as believers that we just get to suddenly wake up one day and we're smarter. We didn't wake up one day and we're wiser. And a lot of times we put these labels on Christians. You've been saved for 25 years. That means what you say must hold weight. Not necessarily true. If they haven't been practicing anything, what they say might not hold weight at all. I try to say it like this. Some of you might think I'm a good piano player. I haven't played in a while. I missed it. Josh is doing a lot better than me. I tried to get back in. They didn't let me. That's not true. But sometimes the only reason you might think I play the piano good is because you can't play at all. That's really why you think I'm a good piano player. I can sit down and I can play songs and you're like, wow, that's a real, you're a good piano player. And that's only because you can't play. Now, trust me, I have played and been with people who can play the piano. And when I'm around them, I go, I can't play the piano. <laughs> Because I'm raising the bar. Guys, so many times we try to discern things of value. And we might be looking at people around us going, well, you know, they're pretty good at that. It's only, you only think they're good spiritually because you're not that good in that area. The bar is Jesus Christ. Perfection. Who's absolutely perfect. That's the bar, guys. So when we start talking about how to be a mature believer and constant practice, how much practice do we need? Every day, all the time. And so I just, again, I was convicted myself of like, when's the last time I've actually mentally thought, I got to practice, I got to check what I'm thinking, I got to say, have my decisions been lined up with Scripture? Have Have I gotten better at how to see certain things? Have I gotten better at being able to see clearly spiritual things? It takes practice, constant practice. 
practice for the rest of our lives. In so, we might be able to discern good from evil. Why especially do we need good practice? Because it gets crazier and hazier, if I can use that word, out there, right? There are certain things we've always talked about. 25 years ago would have been a no-brainer. What's good and what's evil? To the world, it would have been a no-brainer. Now it's not a no-brainer at all. And so, you're forced as a Christian to go, okay, who's telling the truth? Who's not? We have to use discernment. But those things take practice, guys. If you're not practicing, you don't know how to discern good and evil. You don't know it. (laughs) And so I want to look at what the Lord has done in some of these ways. He discerns the thoughts of some of these teachers of the law. Turn to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, verses 2 through 8. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. And at once some of the scribes and said within themselves, This man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? What's easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise and walk? that you might know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed and go to your house. And he arose and he departed to his house. And when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, who had given such power to men. Now when I first look at this, obviously I think it's a story. They're like, well, of course Jesus read their mind and they're wrong. But I take a step back sometimes going, wait a minute. Is what they said wrong? If someone says they can forgive sins, that is blasphemy. (laughs) What's the big problem with what they were thinking? In some ways you could say, isn't that what we're supposed to do? Here's a guy that they might have just been meeting for the first time and say, he just said he could forgive their sins. That's not right. And yet, this goes into attitude. Because Jesus said right here, why do you think evil in your hearts? And so when they had these thoughts go through their mind of, hey, you can't forgive sins, it was not with good intent. So let's talk a little bit more about the background. Jesus Christ has healed many people. In fact, it got to the point where he had to leave towns because there were so many people flocking to him. He's got a reputation at this point. He comes to this town, it says in the beginning, and that's why there's standing room only. This accounts in the other Gospels, right? There's so many people wanting to hear and maybe be healed from Jesus Christ. Now, we kind of focus on the miracle. What is he doing? He's preaching. That's what it says. In other portions there, it says he was preaching the word. You can see it in Mark. And so there's a bunch of people crammed into a house preaching, and these guys want to tear up the roof to get someone in there and be saved. Why is all that important? If you're the religious leader of the day, you're sitting there hearing God actually preach. If they're listening, I I guarantee what Jesus Christ is preaching about is an amazing message. Because God's actually preaching right there in front of them. And he's got a reputation now of healing people. And you see people rip through a floor and now try to have him heal. And so when he says, your sins are forgiven, their first instinct should be, 
okay, could this be the Messiah? I just listened to his preaching. It was amazing. He's healing people. And, you know, you're not supposed to say that unless you're claiming to be God. That should be the right attitude. But they're thinking evil in their hearts. Right away, they're, they're discounting all that stuff. And their attitude is, that, who, who, who does this guy think he is? You can't say that. Ignoring the whole surrounding background. And so that's not good discernment, guys. Now, I know that we as a people <laughs> cannot look into someone's thoughts and just judge them. In fact, the Bible says, no one knows the thoughts of man except a man. Okay? However, sometimes we are swinging this pendulum so far that we say you can't judge anyone by anything. And that's bad discernment. <laughs> I'm going to tell you why. Are we supposed to judge attitudes and actions? If we didn't, our parenting would be in vain. Right? There's none of us as parents that sit there and let the kid do whatever they want and go, well, they must be having a bad day. Well, I don't want to judge them. I hope we as parents recognize rebellion in our kids because that's human nature, right? And so if the little three-year-old is sitting there and they're running laps around the house just having so much fun and you say, okay, now it's time to pick up the toys and they collapse on the ground and go, I'm really tired. You should use discernment. <laughs> they're not tired. They're playing you. <laughs> now that sounds funny because it seems pretty obvious, but some of us aren't that discerning. He must be tired. No, he's not. <laughs> He's playing you. All right, so we have to be able to recognize these, these things. Here's another one I was thinking of that uh, we have sometimes uh, quoted. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. This is um, all about Christ and the resurrection and, and maturity. But it says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. And this is what we would tell people, right? Be very careful who you hang out with. Because the Bible says, evil company corrupts good habits. But that means you actually have to be able to discern what evil company is. Right? You cannot sit there as a believer and say, oh, there's no one evil out there. Because then you can't apply this verse. You have to use discernment. There's people we should hang out with, and there's people that we should stay away from. And all that stuff sounds harsh, and we don't have time, because I think we've talked about enough, of just using godly wisdom. Obviously, we pray for the person. Obviously, there's times we're, gonna, we're not going to shut those people out who are evil company. But there's also just the simplicity that we are missing sometimes, that you, we should be a people that go... If I hang out with that evil company, it's going to corrupt me because I'm a man myself and I have weaknesses and tendencies. So I have to be careful. I have to be discerning. Uh, again, with all this discernment, this comes into being mature and it also comes into practicing. Because if you are practicing as a believer how to discern good and evil, there might be some people you can hang out with that are not going to affect you at all. And yet that same group of people would affect someone else in the assembly. And they can't hang out with them because they haven't practiced enough. <laughs> Does that make sense to people? That's why it's hard, guys. That's where legalism is tough. You can't draw a line and say you can never hang out with those people. It, it, you can't. But what we don't focus on is how well are you discerning your actions? 
How well are these people affecting you? Do you know their attitudes and their actions? Jesus had no problem right away. Obviously, he was God saying, listen, you're thinking evil in your heart. Your attitude's wrong. Your attitude is wrong. It is not necessarily what they said. It's their attitude behind it that got them into problems. Social media. How good are we at discerning people's attitudes behind the picture? Quite frankly, sometimes you can't. That's the point. There are certain things like with social media. We talked a little bit about this at camp this summer. Uh, you can start to get jealous in some ways. All right? So in other words, I see a post and someone has a family vacation down on the beach in the Bahamas. And it looks pretty. Everyone's in the jeans and white t-shirt pose. I don't know why we do that. <laughs> and it's like the perfect family portrait. They even look good as a family. They're like, hashtag family time. Hashtag beach lovers. Hashtag never want to go home. Okay? You can sit there and look at that, and you're like, oh, man, they're having the best time of their lives. I'm stuck here in Northbrook, Connecticut. Unbelievable. That's not good discernment. First of all, if they really are having a blast, we should be grateful with them. So when we look at social media, we should actually be happy. Oh, man, are they really having a good family time? That family probably needed it. We're also those people that start to have all these thoughts go through our minds, like, oh, man, that's amazing, and not see the reality. You ever talk to someone about those pictures sometimes? I remember, like, certain pictures, uh, this cute, like, one of our friends, like a four-year-old, eating a strawberry, hashtag strawberry picking, hashtag going to make strawberry jam later, and the kid looks gorgeous. And what you don't realize is everyone was sweating to death. The kid was crying. It cost them $40. They thought it was going to cost 20 It was actually a horrible day, but that one shot of the kid with the strawberry, it's like, hey, and people post it. <laughs> Listen. It's not social media that's necessarily the problem. It's our discernment. We're actually looking at a picture going, oh, man, I missed out. <laughs> I missed out. Missed out on what? Sweaty strawberry picking? When they were on sale at Big Y? I don't know what we missed out on. I don't know. We have to be careful. We've got to use discernment in people's attitudes. Attitudes. Let's look at another time. Matthew chapter 16. Sorry, I was in Mark. We'll start in verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, you're an offense to me. You are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Peter, I'm discerning your words. They're wrong. You're not thinking clearly. You're wrong. Now, it's easy for us to look back. Hindsight's 2020. I'm always amazed at this passage, that a man rebuked God about the gospel. 
That's what happened. A follower of Jesus Christ rebuked God in the flesh and said, it's not going to happen to you. That's rebuking the gospel. Rebuking the gospel. And so how is Jesus supposed to respond? Ah, you might have got that one wrong, Peter. No. He lays out a very blunt, clear thing. You're an offense to me. You're not mindful for the things of God, but the things of men. Again, we don't like to um, get into this judgment. Uh, We don't want to judge people. But guys, people say things that are wrong. And can we discern when someone says things that are wrong? Confidence, by the way, does not always equal the truth. Just to help us, I know this one is something I have to learn too. I guarantee Peter was absolutely confident. Took him aside and said, hey man, this ain't going to happen to you. Without one ounce of backing down. (laughs) Until the Lord said, get behind me, Satan. Then maybe Peter was like, oh, what just happened? Just because someone says something confidently does not mean it's right. Because there's a lot of false teachers that say things very confidently. Very confidently. Are you able to discern what people say, especially if it's not biblical? What's said from this pulpit? And listen, as we talk about practicing and things like that, it does not mean every time someone says something that maybe is off, that we've got to sound alarms here and stop them from preaching and just drill them on their theology for the next 10 minutes. I'm sure that there's times where I have said the wrong thing. But this is where we go actually into being able to discern someone's attitude behind it, what we just talked about. If someone is boldly preaching something false here, that's got to be addressed. If they said something wrong and they didn't even realize it, they still probably should be talked to, but it's in a different context, right? You're like, hey, bro, did you understand you said this? (laughs) There was a time when Ken Hardesty was speaking. I didn't think he'd be here today. I'm just kidding. Right, and so you can ask Ken for the. Well, we're actually fooling around talking about this <laughs> in between, um, but I remember him telling the story of him uh, learning the language in Tagalog, uh, speaking in the Philippines. He was talking about Jesus Christ rising on the third day, and as he's preaching, he in uh, Tagalog actually said he rose on the third year, and so he saw the reaction. And I believe there was brothers there that said, "Brother, you mean the third day?" <laughs> Which obviously is like a kind of a nice example, right? I think no one would debate, like, no, it wasn't three years, kind of like, hey, that must be a language problem, okay? But the fact is, it also got addressed. It got addressed. Like, hey, man, no, you you mean third day. Not everything that's said from a pulpit is correct. (laughs) It's just not. We're living in times where there is a hundred million sermons out there online. Not everything that's said online is okay. (laughs) I don't want to have this negative attitude. What I want is a positive attitude of discernment. A discernment. And I love the fact that sometimes now I can listen to a speaker and be like, man, I agree with like 96% of what they said. And I love that message. I know it was just one part. <laughs> we probably won't see eye to eye on that. But the rest of the message is unbelievable. It's discernment. It's being able to figure out what's good and actually what's evil. And someone stood up in the breaking of bread here and said, we worship you, Lord, and everyone in heaven because you died for us. Praise the Lord. If you heard a statement like that, you should get a little jingle in your, in your, in your seat. You should go, mm, what, what? that didn't sound right. You don't got to judge a person. You don't got to sit them down later and say you're a heretic. 
Okay? I'll be very careful approaching someone what they say during the breaking of bread. You, very careful. But if you heard that phrase, we worship you, Lord, and everyone in heaven, you should get a jingle. That didn't sound right. And if you didn't get a jingle, you're not discerning. You're not discerning. <laughs> and these things come with spiritual practice. Practice. Could you recognize a false teacher? Could you recognize one? Because over and over in the New Testament, it warns of false teachers. The early church had to deal with false teachers from the get-go. From the get-go. Now, again, it's always weird kind of talking about false teachers from the pulpit. Right? Like, <laughs> you understand. I'm not at all saying that Branford Bible Chapel is 100% spot on and other churches got false teachers. And Guys, we, we pray about it all the time here. Because false teaching is not necessarily, it's not like someone's just coming and going, hey, guess what? It comes in slowly. It comes in, you know, with other things. But could we recognize it? In Matthew 24, verse 10, it says, And then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. This is what happens at the end. Many are deceived. Many. Listen. Again, I don't want to get us nervous. We don't want any division here at Branford Bible Chapel. It's not just because we, we like people and we love people. It's the biblical precedent. <laughs> the Bible talks very clearly. There should be no division among you. You should be like-minded to love one another and all that stuff. But things can be said wrong. And so maybe you go up and you talk to that person with a Bible verse in love. Okay, um, you, know, you try to submit to leadership here at Branford. Uh, if you see something differently, just to not uh, break division. But above all, guys, listen, it should just spark conversation, okay? It's okay to disagree sometimes biblically. It's what called iron sharpening iron is, okay? But what I'm talking about is just using discernment and not just accepting everything we hear. Are we able to recognize that didn't sound right? That, that didn't sound right. There was a guy who did this on uh, Facebook. He actually uh, put the verse, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. He just put that up on Facebook as like a post. Got like five, ten likes right away. Got people responding, praise the Lord, amen, hallelujah. Okay. Now again, if I was actually looking at it, I probably would have been one of the guys that failed. But the point is, you know what the background of that verse is? That's Satan talking to Jesus. All these things I'll give you if you fall down and worship me. you got people liking it. <laughs> Not discerning at all. There's things posted on social media for all of us to see. Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, all these things. you got to be careful. <laughs> you got to be careful. Especially when we like it and tag it and resend it and all this, whatever. You've got to be discerning. There is false teaching going around, and it might not be their fault. It's not like they have an agenda. Maybe they're just wrong. That's the crazy thing about social media. You don't know who posted that. It could be a four-year-old. 
I love Jesus. You really don't have any idea sometimes. I mean, sometimes you obviously know, but there's so much stuff out there. It's great. Listen, I'm not dogging social media. It'll never happen in my house. No, I'm just kidding. But what I am saying is we are living in times where we really need discernment. And just because someone says a Bible verse online doesn't mean... I mean, you just got to use discernment with what we say we agree with. Because you know what? And again, this is not right on the other side. I will tell you my sins. I've sat there sometimes and I'm what's called a Facebook troll. I don't believe in Facebook, so I look at my wife's. And, you know, you're just scrolling through. And you see something, and you're like, oh, man, you know, I don't agree with that. And then you see names of who liked it. And right away, you're angry at brothers and sisters in church. I can't believe they like that. What, are they even a Christian? What in the world? And listen, you have all this stuff going on in your mind. And it comes out on a Sunday. And you don't even know why you're upset with the person. And it's all because they like something. And this is what I'm saying. This is it's nuts. It's nuts. We have to be a discerning people, guys. Know what you like, first of all. If you're going to click something and you like it and you just put it out there for the world to see, know what you're liking. Okay? Take a second to think about it. Turn to Matthew chapter 22. We'll start in verse 15. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. Okay, so that's the background. Let's read it again. (laughs) Then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. And they sent to him their disciples with the Herodonians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God in truth, nor do you care about anyone, for you do not regard the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, why do you test me, you hypocrites? Okay, he perceived, he discerned their wickedness. This is where he was looking at their motivation for what they were doing. It is good to be discerning to look at what motivates people to say what they do, to act how they act. Okay, because what's behind the words, what's behind the action, he knew These guys really are not interested in the actual answer to this question. Their motivation is they can entangle him in his talk. That is their motivation. Okay? And by the way, that happens to us. Right? Have you ever been at work? Okay? And you're like, oh, I want to talk about Jesus with you. And in your heart, you're like, yeah, let's talk about Jesus. What do you want to know? I'll share the gospel right now. And really, their whole motivation is to make you look like an idiot or to argue with you. They really don't want the gospel at all at that point. And so is it okay as a believer in that circumstance to go, you know what? I'm all done with this conversation. Because I struggle with those things. I'm like, well, wait a minute. I got got a witness. I got to do this. I got to do that. It's not really good discernment. (laughs) If someone is coming at you just to argue with you, just to make you look silly, you got to really pray. I wouldn't talk a long time with that person. They're not in the right state of mind. What's motivating them is not the truth. They don't want to figure out the truth. They just want to kind of get you going. 
And so those things take a lot of discernment. Okay? But I want, I want us to be um, wise with what motivates us personally as well. You should be discerning in your mind. What motivates me, as we said these things, to go to church? What motivates me to do ministry? What motivates me to pray? What are my actions behind it? Am I still trying to get more rewards from God? Am I still trying to get into a, a, an idea of, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to earn my salvation kind of deal? All those things are very susceptible. I know I've said them before. I say it again because they're very susceptible for us to fall into those kind of traps. Okay, so we've got to discern what motivates us. Okay, but also we've got to be careful. I tell you this, like me uh, going to uh, Christian camp, especially when I was growing up, Okay, as a teenager, I thought it was the best thing in the world. And, uh, and it was. And it was a great atmosphere. And I had a lot of older people say, oh, man, I just, you know, there's other people, you know, your age, they're just doing other things over summer, but you're serving the Lord. Praise the Lord. You're a good believer, blah, 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 blah. I went to camp to meet girls. <laughs> I went to camp because I wanted to play and get away from my house. I went to camp, yes. To serve the Lord. But trust me, it was not a huge priority at 16, 17, 18. I went, oh, man, eight weeks out of my house, get to hang with my friends, no rules, and I'll serve the Lord. Yes, I'll serve the Lord. But, I mean, listen, yeah, and guess how I responded to those people back in the day? Thank you, yeah, I served the Lord, yeah, tried. <laughs> now, again, I'm not saying we sit there with our young people and be like, I know you. You didn't serve the Lord. you just going to meet a girl. I wouldn't say that either to them, okay? And what they said to me was not necessarily wrong. But I'm just saying, my goodness, guys, let's use some discernment. Okay, let's use some discernment when we see people serving. Sometimes, do, do we need to gently tell someone, hey, are you really doing this for the right reasons? Are you really doing this for the right reasons? Again, with social media, why are you posting, period? What's your motivation? Now, again, I know all these things. You can sit there and tell me, yeah, I'm posting to praise the Lord, get his name out there. Great. And if that's where your heart is, praise the Lord. I'm not going to judge you. But there's got to be some of us that struggle with posting for other reasons. <laughs> there's got to be. There's got to be some of us that, you know, they're posting something just to get a lot of likes. There's got to be some of us post something just to kind of boost our ego because you love the response, the affirmation. Who doesn't? You post something, someone writes back, oh, man, looks like a great time. All right. See, that person acknowledged me. There's got to be some of that, right? Listen, there's some things of uh, it goes deeper than that. Are you afraid to communicate one-on-one with people? And that's why you post because it's easier. You might say some tough things that you could not say to someone face-to-face but you can post it online because they're probably not going to talk to you about it face-to-face later. They're just going to respond with an emoji or they're going to respond with a little heart. They're going to respond to something like that, which a heart is an emoji. Okay. So, again, in this whole world of social media, I am not, I, I cannot judge your hearts, but I'm asking us to be discerning, to ask the question, why are we posting? Why are we doing it? Now, again, there's great people out there that post stuff to literally just get God's name out there. That's awesome. Okay, social media can be an awesome, powerful tool. Uh, we might even need it some more here at Brantford. I can't believe I just said that from the pulpit. Okay? But that's how the world communicates. That's how the world communicates right now. And so 
we're going to try to you know, reach the world. Social media probably has to be a part of it. Okay? But you have to be very careful when you post. Um, because you know how it is. Listen, some of us post things um, that are deep, which is fine. But if you can't do that with someone one-on-one, it's not good. It's not good as a believer. Okay? So finally, with all this discernment, when you're talking about discerning people's attitudes, their actions, their words, their motivation, how do we judge anything? Turn to Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 12 might be familiar, for the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You realize your own thought life and your own heart can trick you. Right? That's what we need to believe, guys. I know it sounds crazy, like we're kind of like, oh man, it's kind of negative. Your own heart and your own thoughts will trick you constantly because of your sinful nature. That's why we have to be those who are in God's Word. Without this Word, without reading it on a daily basis and soaking it in, you cannot discern what's good and evil. And you cannot really sit there with your own test and say, is my heart in the right spot? Am I thinking about this correctly? Without reading God's word on a normal basis, as a daily habit, it's what you need to eat every single day. You can't answer those questions. Listen, I'll admit to you that sometimes I literally read the Bible out of fear. What do I mean? I have big decisions coming up. Where should I um, put my kids in school? Who should I marry? Um, Should we make this $20,000 investment? Those are huge decisions. And if I haven't read the Bible in three, four weeks, I can't make those decisions. I can't. I'm going to trust myself. It is imperative that we read God's Word so that we can discern our own thoughts and our own heart. He's going to tell us how we think. Listen, we just did it with the the stories today. I'm telling you, I can read that where they say, um, no one can say that. No one can say he can forgive sins. And I realized that's how I would think. That's how I would think. If I was in that room, I'd be like, what's this guy doing? That's not, that's not, that's not biblical. That's how I would think. And so I start to wrestle with that. And then I'm reading God's word and I start to go, wait a minute. Where's my motivation? Where's my intent? What would I, what have I been missing? Because Jesus was correct. So he said what they were doing was evil. Thinking evil. i gotta look, I got to think about how I think about certain things. Without God's word, <laughs> it is impossible to discern good and evil. And so what happens is without getting into God's word and enjoying it and reading it, you never become spiritually mature. And you don't know what to practice. You don't know what to practice. You don't know. I always think this is kind of like the regular uh, 
the new year. You know, it's like never January 1st. It's the beginning of the school year. I feel like that's always the new year. <laughs> okay, so again, I think this school year we should just be good at discernment. Good at discernment. Really just checking. Is what they're saying correct? Is their attitudes correct? Is their motivation correct? And then is what we're saying correct? Is our attitudes correct? Is our motivation correct? And the only way we get a good answer is from God's Word. That's why it's imperative, guys. It's imperative that we know the book. It's imperative that we read over and over and over again. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you so much that uh, you're willing to help us understand your Word, that your Spirit can illuminate Uh, how we're supposed to uh, interpret it, read it, and enjoy it. Lord, I pray that we would be those who have good discernment. Uh, Help us to uh, be smart with our actions, be wise with our words, and uh, help us to evaluate our motives as we try to live this life for you. Give us a thirst and a hunger for your word, that it wouldn't be a chore, that we'd want to be in it. In your name, amen.